Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when you hear the word kingdom, what do you think about? You think of glorious palaces with ceilings of gold? You think of kings in royal robes ruling our world? I think of kings of the past, like Louis XIV, the Sun King, or Charles the Great, or Henry VIII. All of these kings lived in grand palaces as their territories increased through the force of their armies. We have all seen movies that have a king sitting on a golden throne giving orders to his generals. He says something like, we must fight to preserve the kingdom. And when the soldiers begin to fight, they shout out, for God and king. Picture it. An army with beautiful horses and strong, noble men. Through sweaty, sweaty, bloody battle, they enlarge the kingdom of their king. What do you think of when you hear the words, the kingdom of God? Think of all of the things in this world. What would you say the kingdom of God is like? The kingdom of God is like this. It's beautiful. It's splendid. Or the kingdom of God is like that. Strong and magnificent. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. And if you had to name a specific one, it would be a mustard seed. Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant into the ground. A seed. A seed. Constantine had the Holy Roman Empire. God gets a seed. It hardly seems fair. A person would think that God would take all of the best things for himself. The world would say that if God had a house, It would be a mansion. If God had a car, it would be a Rolls Royce. If God, well, you could go on and on. But I think you get the idea. But Jesus came to us as a helpless little baby. Yet in him, in that baby, was the kingdom of God. Of God. In Jesus, the kingdom of God once held court in a manger, and instead of garments of royalty, our king was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now you might wonder why I started talking about Jesus when the subject of the sermon is the kingdom of God. Why is he talking about the king instead of the kingdom? 
Well, the reason is that a kingdom is marked, it is known by the king. The lives of the people in the kingdom are all wrapped up in the life of their king. As Christians, our whole life is wrapped up in Jesus' life. It was our sins that took him to his cross. And when we were baptized, we went through our king's death and his resurrection. And in our king's supper, we receive our king's body and blood as our sustaining food. As our king lives, so live we. Jesus continued with his description of the kingdom as a mustard seed. He said, yet when it is planted, it grows. And it becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. It's interesting that, to note that when you plant something, you actually bury it. After you bury a seed, it doesn't take long to see it spring forth from the ground and life begins. You must bury the dead seed in order for there to be life. Jesus is that seed. He actually died on the cross. His crown was not made of gold. It was made of thorns. Our king died with the sins of the whole world on his back. Are there sins that you struggle with? I know there are. And you agreed with this, and you agreed with this truth, like when we say in divine service four. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then we respond with that liturgy. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will cleanse us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And by saying that statement, we agree with the scriptures, which tell us that we have sinned. Do these sins that you do, do they ever seem impossible to overcome? I know they do. Because I'm just like you, and they seem that way for me as well. I know that these sins seem strong. But take heart. Jesus is stronger. And he has paid for these sins. Your king took those sins to the grave. He was planted in the ground. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. The ground could not hold him in just like the ground cannot hold a plant that comes to life 
beneath its soil. He lives and he is at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for us. Our epistle lesson today today said, Now we know that if this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, it's no matter. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This little seed has grown so large that all the birds of the air can find shade under its branches. Christ is our king. The kingdom, that is our ultimate dwelling place. This is a great comfort when things get hard for us. And they do, each and every week. I know that things are hard. There are many things that threaten to destroy our earthly tent. I can list off a long line of things, such as finances, pet sins, etc. The world, the news on the... But only you know what things threaten to destroy you. Yesterday, this past week, those doubts and fears that you have when you're laying on your bed at night. Sometimes when I watch the news, I can get so depressed. (laughs) I just decide to not pay any attention. (laughs) Sometimes when I Uh, look at my list of things to do with the church I can get even more depressed and sometimes when I look at the mundane things that I have to do to support my body and life I get overwhelmed and it can be dumb things even like I gotta get the laundry done but I also gotta do this and I gotta do that you know what I'm talking about And last but not least, when I see the sins I commit that I try to escape to when all of those other things pile up on me, I feel conquered. I feel defeated. It is at this time that the Holy Spirit plants the seed, which is faith in Christ. And he plants this into my heart. The Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am God's child. When I hear God's law preached to me, I realize that I am a sinner who needs a Savior. I am just like everybody else. I realize that I have not kept God's perfect Ten Commandments. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you have not kept them either. Men have lusted after women. Women have gossiped about their neighbor. And all of us have wished that we had our neighbor's stuff. And all of us have failed to trust God above all things. 
Through God's law, we learn that we are unworthy. We are a dead seed. Like our king, we must die in order to live. The law kills. It kills our sinful nature. It does this by bringing us back to the drowning waters of baptism, which take us to that cursed tree that our Savior died upon. And as dying people, we cry out, Most merciful God, we confess. We are sinful and we are unclean. We have sinned against you in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. We deserve nothing, and justly deserve nothing, but present and eternal punishment. And with this good confession, made possible by the Holy Spirit, our sinful nature, it is buried again beneath the waters of baptism, And then God's word of new life, like a miracle, spreads over us once again with the words, I forgive you all of your sins in that powerful name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word of God, it is like fertilizer that brings the dead seed to faith in Jesus Christ because he died and rose again. And this faith, it brings about something altogether different, new life. The king himself enters into us in the Lord's Supper. And the king has conquered. And he comes to you in grace and mercy. There is life in him, and his life is in you. Now a person might ask, well, if the church church is God's kingdom, what can we do to make it grow? How do we make it grow? These are questions as a pastor that I ask all the time. I, I want there to be three services of packed rows in this building every week. I don't want, I don't want just faithful uh, uh, Lutheran um, Christians on campus. I want every non-Christian to be gathering in here to hear what Jesus has done for them. And I know that some of you think the same types of things. We think, what can we make, what can we do to make God's kingdom grow in this community? Some of us think that it will grow. (laughs) I know this has crossed some people's minds. Some people told, somebody said this to me even last night. But I know that some of us have thought that God's kingdom might grow here with a new young pastor. Some people think that the kingdom of God will grow if we do new worship styles or offer tons of programs. 
The kingdom needs only one thing, the king. We are on the right course here because Jesus is being preached here. Because Jesus is giving himself in his body and blood here. Your sins are being forgiven. My sins are being forgiven. Our faith in Jesus is growing. The king's kingdom is spreading. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come. And in Luther's small catechism, we ask, But what does that mean? And then we respond with something that, with all of our with all of the church's programs and all of their things that we try to do, we wouldn't expect this answer. But this is the answer. The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer. But we pray in this petition, let it come to us also. Did you hear that? God's kingdom does not depend on you. Jesus is coming. He comes to people in his word and he comes to people in his sacrament. And you could not stop him from coming if you even wanted to. Luther continues, well, how does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit. And that by His grace, this is even by His grace, we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives in time and there in eternity. And even that is by His grace. God's kingdom comes when the Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that we can believe in Jesus, who is the Word of God. The kingdom of God is spread by the Holy Spirit, coming to us in the Bible, both preached and read on your own, and through the sacraments, which we can see, we can taste, and touch, and feel. This kingdom of God has a king, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We cannot take credit for His kingdom. We cannot take credit for our faith. Jesus explains this to us in a parable. He said that a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. There is no formula. There is no program. There's not even a church building project. This is the Holy Spirit's work alone. Not yours. Not the pastor's. We confess this in the small catechism. And I know I've used this a lot of times, but Luther says that we are to drill the catechism in us word for word. (laughs) 
I like that. Hey, it even fits <laughs> for you drill, the, the farmer drills when he plants the seed. We confess with the small catechism. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I can't even come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He's enlightened me or brought me to life with his gifts. He sanctified and kept me in the true faith. The same way he does with all other Christians. This is his work. And we pray that he would use us to carry that word to all nations. To all people West Lafayette and Purdue community. As he has done for us. And now that may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen. Let us rise together as we turn to the bottom of page 192 and sing the offertory together. <laughs>